Folks, we had a lot of fun with episode nine, and we think that you will too. So grab some popcorn, maybe your drink of choice. You're going to get to meet Rob Smith today. Rob is the executive chairman of Accutech Precision Aerospace. He lived in Spain when he was younger, moved back to Akron, spent some time in Des Moines, Iowa, now resides in Pennsylvania near Meadville, where he's investing a lot back into that community. Opening up a coffee shop, a yoga studio, a distillery, which we got to be the beneficiaries of a bit today. And we also brought in Ron Kaminsky, who's his EOS implementer and the founder here at Culture Shock. So for many, this may be the first time that you heard Rob's story, or the first time that he's shared it publicly since this is the first podcast he's ever been on. Tune in. Not only is there some entertainment value in this one, but a lot of wisdom and his four philosophies are something that really hit home and probably resonate with leaders at all stages in their career. Without further ado, meet Rob. Welcome to Into the Storm Leaders, the no BS podcast that ignites leadership potential and sparks innovation in the ever-evolving business landscape we all work in. I'm Joe Jurek, your host and catalyst for growth, joined by my co-host and Culture Shock senior coach, Pete Hansberger. Together, we embark on a journey to uncover the strategies, mindsets, and actions that drive truly exceptional leadership and winning culture. Whether you're an emerging leader looking to level up in your career or an accomplished executive seeking fresh perspectives. Join us as we uncover inspiring stories and thought-provoking insights from proven leaders and share practical takeaways that enable courageous leadership. Get ready to charge into the storm and become a catalyst for better workplace culture. So folks, welcome back to another episode of Into the Storm Leaders. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Culture Shock's founder, Ron Kaminsky, and we also have Rob Smith, and we're going to learn a lot more about him as we go. But Rob uh, is the executive chairman at Accutech Precision Aerospace, sits on quite a few boards. You've got coffee shops, you've got distilleries, you've got lots of exciting things going on. In this podcast, we talk about leadership, we talk about culture, and we're pumped to just sit down and have a conversation with you and hear a little bit about uh, your journey. And whatever it is that you want to share with our listeners, whether it be members of Accutech and uh, your teams or some of our other listeners who happen to be emerging leaders and executives, Rob, say hi. Well, hi, I'm Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my first time ever doing a podcast, so bear with me. I love I this. I have no idea what I'm, I'm so doing. I'm so excited but for we'll, this. Yeah, I, I, but, but I've got you guys, so it's okay. We're just sitting around yeah, talking. Yeah, sitting around talking. Just all happen right. to record good. it. You know? Good, 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 good. Yeah. You can edit out all the four-letter words and... Things yes. that are, the bad things I say. And I'm going to put those on repeat. Yeah, those are okay. our favorite part. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Rob, if you could give us uh, kind of the the two to three minute history of Accutech, like where did this come from? Uh, yeah. Um, Start us off. Accutech is is like a lot of things uh, in life, uh, a combination of accidents all put together, and then all of a sudden, this thing happens. And I had an old friend from college who wanted to start a machining company in Meadville because he worked for one in Meadville, and he'd never left town after graduation from Allegheny. And he'd bounced around different jobs, and he wanted to start this company. And at that time, Bridgestone had just bought out Firestone, and I had some, I had a little money because of that. So we agreed to invest uh, to give him the financial backing because he needed some financial backing for this whole thing to go for, for a, you know, 30% of the company. 
And uh, we came up with the name of the company on a friend's front porch down in Mount Lebanon. And we were on the front porch and my wife said, why not Accutech for Accutech Accurate Technology? And we thought, that sounds really cool. So I have to give her credit. She came up with the name. Nice. We called it Accutech Precision Machining because uh, we had come up with something. And um, we were actually living in Spain at the time. When this whole happened, we were back in the States doing this whole thing. And then we, then we went back to Spain and then Bridgestone transferred me back. And then I took a long story short, I ended up in Des Moines, Iowa and um, agriculture tires. I, I am, I know you want to know truck tractor tires. I can tell you anything you ever want to know. Uh, you want to know a long bar, short bar. You want to go down to Louisiana and sell rice and cane tires. You want to sell the uh, uh, tires for the vineyards in California. Yeah. I got you covered. Great. I can even, I can even tell you the big tires you need for the big Palouse uh, wheat fields in Washington State. Okay, so I, I, good. It's, it's an expertise that very few people have. Thank God. I know, <laughs> <laughs> and it has absolutely nothing to do with Accutech. That's the really wild part. Nothing yeah. to do with Accutech yeah. at all. So, how did I go from uh, being a tractor tire expert, and then before that, I was a European tire expert, and before that, I was a dishwashing expert. Uh, all those things, how did you end up in? Are European tires just built to drive on the left side of the road? <laughs> no, no, no. no, but uh, they're they're built amazingly just like American tires. Okay. And, and actually, okay. since most of the European companies bought American companies, it, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting. No, they they pretty much go the same way. Uh, and, and believe it or not, if you hit a curb with them, they will blow out. Uh, I found that out a few times. So. Good to know. Yeah, it's good to know. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, he started. The, he was running the company. We were in Iowa. He had developed this uh, a thing called a chip blaster, which was to high coolant delivery system for machining, breaking chips. It was going to be the new greatest product known to man. And at the time, I was working at. I'd left. I'd left my previous company. I was working for an LBO, and you don't want to do that if you don't own it. I found out it very quickly because I was, uh, I had the grand title of, uh, you know, executive vice president of sales and marketing. And basically I was told uh, with no money, raise the prices, uh, do this, do that. And somehow out of magic, turn this into something that I can flip the company and kick you to the curb once I've done it. And that's pretty much what was happening. Mm. So I realized that was not going anywhere there. Yeah. And I didn't like Iowa. My wife didn't like Iowa and her parents were back in in Pennsylvania. Well, from Spain to Iowa, too. Yeah, well, that was a that was different. We went from Madrid to Des Moines. Oh, that was... <laughs> but then, then we went from Des Moines to Meadville. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, it was interesting. We actually went, we went Madrid to um, Akron, and then Akron to Des Moines, and then Des Moines back to Meadville. Much and better. It was much better. Yeah. yeah. yeah better. I, I, I just remember... Uh, our one, our youngest daughter was four years old when we moved to, to Akron from Madrid. In Madrid, we had a house that had a pool, a tennis court, a gardener, a maid, the whole thing to a Ryan home in Akron that, you know, she, she walked out the door of the house, looked at the backyard and said, Mama, where's the pool? <laughs> and, and my wife, bless her heart, said, Honey, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> and, and it was. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we ended up, uh, I went back to be to market and sell and help do the finance for this because Accutech was then going to get into become a product company and basically found out within, within four months that we weren't going to be there. 
And I would, as I was selling the product, he was redesigning it constantly. So I would, I would go to like New Venture Gear, which is a huge company in, out of Syracuse, and go up there and I, I, I would put on my sales hat and I'm like, golly, I had 16 units sold. I'm, everything I'd go back and he goes, well, I redesigned it. So you have to go back up there and talk to them again. I said, that's not how it works. Mm. So we had a falling out, let's just say complete falling out, especially then when I got into the finances and found out he wasn't paying the right payroll taxes and he wasn't doing it. And it was like, okay, we're going to go to jail here. Okay. So yeah, this is not serious. Yeah, yeah. This is serious stuff. And we were yeah. not getting well. So we had a long talk. I was trying to, okay, I got to get out of it. I got to get out of this company, but I told the kids I'm never going to move again. We're going to live in Meadville. And they were at the age where they didn't want to move again. And so I started looking around for jobs and then I talked to the accountant and realized that since I owed, owned 30% of the company, if the company went under, I was liable for all the debt. So anything I ever had in my life was going to disappear. Well, that wasn't good. Well, a couple of machinists came to me and said, Rob, you seem to know what you're doing. How would you like to take over the machining company? And you could run, we know you can run this. It was amazing. They had this faith in me that we know you can run this. Hmm. The employees said the employees this. employees said this. Wow. And I said, okay, uh, I don't know anything about what I'm doing. But on the other hand, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down fighting. Yeah. So took every penny we had, took the kids' college money, did, I mean, we went all we in. Put it all, went all in. And I bought out my ex-partner, bought his 50% share, sent him in the, the product. They went into an incubator. And so that's another story for another time. Um, but took over the company and in June, June, July of 94, first thing I did was go back to school at night and took blueprint reading because I didn't know how to read a blueprint. Mm. I mean, I just taken over a machining company. I didn't even know what I was looking at. So I took blueprint reading at night. And then the, the first week, uh, our largest customer at the time, which was Lord Corporation, called me in and said, we're going to fire you as a supplier because you've been so inconsistent and your quality hasn't been good and you haven't been now that and all the rest of it. So that was an interesting discussion. Hmm. So I, they were essential for a company at that time. So I basically uh, got down on my knees and prayed. No, I didn't. But I, I just said to them, look, we will change this. You have, we have new ownership. I'm taking over. Here's my background. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to run this. Let us make it right. Let us make it right. And, and, and we will, we will improve quality. And we will improve delivery, and we will we will make it happen. And we were at the time they were about a eight hundred thousand dollar customer of a million dollar company. They mm. were eighty percent of our business. Wow. And today, Lord Parker, Lord Parker is what now a thirty million dollar customer of ours. And I still, well, now Elizabeth does. She'll still tell them, "We promise we will improve delivery. We will improve quality." And 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 we just, I just joked for thirty years. Every year we would tell them we would get better, and every year they would buy it. It's like Lucy with a football, <laughs> and, and, and 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 in return give us more business, because evidently, even though they complained, we evidently were doing better than anybody else. So, fascinating. So this, so you're leading into something though that's. Pretty profound, though. You guys have a core target in your business around this. Yes. T tell, talk to us about what that is and why that is. Oh. Now, what do you mean by the core target? In so, terms of most respected. Oh, well, that's very really important. Um, you, you find out really quickly in our business that um, 
you can you can negotiate all you want and you can talk about pricing you can talk about this and all but that but your reputation is everything and if you have a reputation as a company that gives it a hundred percent that is always looking to improve that is honest uh, that doesn't cut corners that quality wise you know we screw up oh boy we we've, we've screwed up some big ones we've had some big screw ups but you 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 put on your big boy pants and you say we screwed up mm-hmm. and and this is what we're going to do to get it better now i know elizabeth had the one customer say you know you are absolutely amazing at fixing problems is it because you've had so much experience at it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, and, Into the storm. And yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, 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 we do have a lot of experience at it. Um, but that's that's part of it is just, uh, we, you know, I remember the first thing I did was uh, I made sure that we, of course, we paid all our taxes back. We did all the right things. Um, but we also then expect our customers to act the way we do. And if they don't, they're not going to be our customers for long. Yeah. Uh, first thing I did when I took over Accutech was I fired three quarters of our customer base because they weren't paying on time. They were, they were, I'm sorry, they were shady. They just weren't what we wanted. Right. Um, and we've worked really hard on establishing and getting customers that are, they're blue chip, they're good, they know what they're doing. They may, you may occasionally run through issues with them over time because, all customers run through the issue of they keep hiring new people and, and the people we have, they're really good. They get promoted or they do this, they do that. And occasionally you run across some characters that generally don't belong in those companies, but they're there. Right. And until they work that out internally, we're stuck with them. So we've right. run into that before. I've had right. a couple times where I basically told the buyer of customers, you know, you can take it and you know where. Right. And and everybody's been aghast that I've done that, and invariably within six months that person's gone from that position. The customer realized that's not what they want is their buyer or whatever. That takes a little bit of guts to fire clients when you don't really have all that many. No, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it right? was it was it was we had to do it. Sure, um, you had to run with what you had. So when we first started Culture Check, if you had a pulse we would figure out a way to help you. And now we're in the same boat. We met about six, what, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I was so excited to have you on was because you guys walk the talk. You want to be the most respected aerospace partner, yep. period. Yep. Right? And uh, and you certainly walk that talk. So, so take us from uh, buying the business to kind of uh, that point at which you started talking about um, stepping back and starting to, okay. to replace Elizabeth. Well, it's it's funny. Uh, so I took over the business in '94. By '98, four years later, we were we were we'd already built a new plant. We were really starting to make things happen. Things were going in good 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 space. I could see growth on the horizon. We were kept expanding. We kept ex- as fast as we could. We were expanding because we were good. Elizabeth was a junior in high school. In high, junior in high school, mm-hmm. and her sister was a uh, a freshman. And I said, "Okay, I already got to start thinking about. 
okay, what's going to happen in 20 years? Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but that's how long I, I look ahead. Sure. And I said, I, I've got to figure out what we're going to do. And all right, can it, can this be a family run company or do I want to lead it another way? Because um, not everybody's kids want to work in a company. And of course we had two daughters and uh, the older one did and the younger one didn't. And they're both very happy with their decisions. Um, I mean, the younger one is not in a business at all, has a great career, does fantastic. Um, she's off in Australia right now at the women's world cup uh, being on TV, being interviewed, being quoted in the New York Times, doing all that. That's her career. She's yeah. doing great at it. Elizabeth's she, your oldest. The, old, the oldest. Okay. Yeah. And um, she, her first internship job in high school was we were taking all of our paper documents and we were putting them all into the computer because we were then going online with all this stuff and scanning it. And we had to literally scan four years worth of stuff. So her job that summer was to take job folders and scan them <laughs> most boring awful job you could ever ask right and she did it and had ideas on how to do this and to do that and then she went off to college two thousand after you know 2000 sorry don't be banged there um <laughs> and uh, what are you going to major in uh mathematics so i kept bringing her back to what do you think this or that and of course, she immediately was very good at PowerPoint and all this stuff that I, I, I was not good at. I mean, mm. let's face it, I'm, I went to college when they didn't have computers, so I, mm. you know, right. it's all new. Okay. Um, so I would send her stuff, and she would then make it make the PowerPoint jump. It's like, hey, I got a presentation. Can you spend an hour on? And just literally, she would in an hour. She'd come back and be like, "Whoa, that's fantastic!" So I kind of, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Boy." That'd be the one I want to have. That'd be the yeah. one I want to have. Well, 2001, I went on the board at Allegheny, and I met some unbelievable people there. One guy's guy's name was Bill Tillotson of Heffron Tillotson. They're now sold, but uh, Bill was a, just an amazing, amazing guy. And of course, his specialty was investments in family companies and things and how to do stuff. So uh, I quickly found that some of the best advice I ever got was to sit down with these trustees with years of experience more than I had and just say, what would you do? Hmm. And, and let's have a drink and what would you do? And we would spend a lot of evenings drinking and talking. And Bill said, one thing you want to do is definitely, if you want one of your kids is interested in the business, bring them in, but don't bring them in right away. Let them go out in the world let them cut their teeth, let them make their own way, let them do their own thing, let them get their head kicked in a few times, let them find out that they're not perfect. That, you know, he said, the problem with small family companies is that if your child comes right from school and, and literally never is exposed to anything but in the company, they'll have been told their entire life that they're perfect by all the employees and they will not be challenged. They will not, they will not challenge themselves. Yeah. Uh, they'll be very, very narrow in their focus. It's a problem. Now, he said some people have succeeded with it. Don't get me wrong. He said, but in general, the more they get from the outside exposure, the better. Hmm. But you always got to keep them close by so at some point you then can bring them back in. And you got to figure out what the best time is. So Elizabeth didn't know that, but that was my objective. So I kind of kept steering her toward, well, you're interested in this, you're interested in that. And she was really interested in labor economics. And she was a, she was a combination math and 
economics major at Haverford, and that's what, that was her thing. Mm-hmm. Yet, interestingly enough, she decided, okay, the best thing when I get out is I get a job. I'm going to go get my master's sometime. I don't know what I'm going to get it in. Uh, meanwhile, Dad keeps sending me this stuff, and I keep working on it, and I keep, you know, she's, you know, we talk about Accutech, what's going on, how's it going, we do all that. And lo and behold, she got a job with uh, Charles River Associates, an econometric firm, doing uh, all, you know, they, they, what their whole thing is they grab these kids and they work them 80 hours a week and, and then send them off to grad school after three years. Mm. Well, lo and behold, she ends up with the aerospace boutique for Charles River Associates in D.C., well, which happens to be close to the business we're in. And, how convenient. And how convenient. And she's spending all this time learning how the business is, she's, getting to know all of our customers and this or that or whatever. And her second year there, we were at the Paris Air Show. We had our booth at the Paris Air Show. And she said, yeah, my bosses are talking about, they may want to go and just walk it because a lot of their clients are there and they want to you know, see this or that. And I said, well, you know, why don't you have them talk you into going with them and you could leave your stuff at our booth when you walk around and you could have a, a like a little anchor spot there. I'd be happy to have you do that. And, Lo and behold, she talked to Boston, so she came to the Paris Air Show, and she will say that's when she said, that's the business I want to be in. Hmm. Uh, so that was kind of cool. That is very cool. Um, didn't tell me that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, Why would she? No, yeah, no, she's not going to tell me that, sure. except that um, then when she decided to go to grad school, she went to the University of Michigan and got her MBA, but in manufacturing I forget what's called. It was a combination like industrial engineering, manufacturing, MBA. It was some sure. really the Tauber school of whatever. So she was in manufacturing. She interned uh, at Helmet, uh, you know, uh, Alcoa's big uh, aluminum casting plant, which was doing aerospace castings. Sure. And she did this, did that. And lo and behold, when she graduated, she went to work for United Technologies and spent six months at Sikorsky, six months at, at well, basically it was all aerospace, six months at uh, Hamilton Sunstrand, and six months at uh, Pratt & Whitney. And so she she got out there, and then she ended up at uh, Sikorsky making Black Hawk helicopters. Wow. The whole time, she's still helping me with my PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I keep, we're doing this, we're doing that, and, and we would talk business. And right. we would talk this and talk that, and... Finally, uh, oh, God, it's 10 years ago, 2012, 2013. I think she started 2013. I finally talked to her. I said, okay, you've been there long enough. Maybe you want to, maybe it's time. Are you interested? Uh, I said, you realize that eventually you're going to own the company. So. Was that the first time that you told her that? I mean, it might have been implied. We have implied that for a long time. Yeah. But it was like, this could be a family company. Wouldn't this really be cool? And so I talked her into it. And she came back. And what's my job? I said, I have no idea. Uh, we're going to call you head of strategic projects or something like that. I, you know, mm-hmm. But we had just taken over the other section at, at, the, at, the, at our plant there on Dunham Road, the old building, the, the renovated old building. And right. we'd just taken over 40,000 square feet. And I had no idea what we were going to put into it. But we took it. And, but we knew we needed the space. So I said, okay, your first job is figure out where, what's going in there. So she did. Mm-hmm. And she did that for about a year. And then she came to me and she said, okay, quality assurance is a mess. And um, it needs to be run correctly. 
and I've been watching this, and so could I have that? I said, yep, you're in charge. Congratulations. Good so, deal. <laughs> good deal. Well, then came uh, 2016, 2015-2016, and we've been working on trying to figure out ways. All right, so you want to transfer wealth. You want to transfer the company over to your daughter, and you want to do it without paying the IRS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a... Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, heck yeah. You want to figure out how to do that. Well, it turned out in 2016, there was a loophole in the law that was going to expire. It goes 2015, it was going to expire in 2016. And it was that you could gift like $15, $20 million tax-free. And it was going to go away. It was some special loophole, something like that. And I, I looked at that and I talked to the accountants and everything else. And I said, okay. We're just going to give the company to Elizabeth, and but we're going to value the company in such a way that her percentage. Sure. We, you know, there's there's ways around things. Yeah. And we already had she already had percentages through a grat. We'd already been doing all this stuff. She and her sister had a little bit this or that. We figured out a way to do it. And a lot of my friends said, "Okay, you realize when you transfer this to her, she owns it, and you don't." <laughs> I still would own a percentage, but she owns the majority share. She could kick you out the day she owns it. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a lot of faith in her that she's not going to do that. And I said, well, I said, either, either I have faith in her or I don't. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, so. So this is the, this is one of the most fascinating things I think about your story is that I met Elizabeth. I think it was back in 2016. And it was, I spoke at an NTMA Emerging Leaders uh, Summit, and she said, hey, I want you to come in and talk to our leadership team. I think you can help us. And my first exposure to you was one of skepticism <laughs> on your part. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. So talk to, tell me about that. Like, where was your head when she's like, hey, I think we need to bring in these consultant guys at Culture Shock. I hate consultants. <laughs> <laughs> I Tell absolutely, me more. absolutely detest consultants. Um, I, when my old Firestone days, and I was head of strategic planning for Firestone, one of my interesting jobs, and the CEO of Firestone brought in um, a Boston Consulting Group, they're, they're big guys, they're going to do all this work. And basically all they did was go around and get the opinions of everybody that wasn't being listened to by top management and, and take their stuff and spit it out, regurgitate it another way and put it into really fancy slides and get paid a ton of money that management could have obtained just by listening to the people that work for them. And that it was like, really, really, you're going to come in here and because you're the Boston Consulting Group, they're not going to listen to you now. They're not going to listen to me right? because I'm just a young kid. What would I know? Sure. Even though I'd been to the country, you know, it's a long right. story. Anyway. Right. And then in general, consultants, I remember at Allegheny, we had consultants for things, it's this or that. And I just found them to pretty much just turn right around and give you what you already knew and, and walk away. In a lot of cases, you would see them. Consultants would come in, make all these recommendations, then they go away. And whether it worked or not, they didn't care. They were gone. Sure, sure. They yeah. had nothing invested in the business. They, sure. I'm sorry, you just wasted a whole lot of money. Right. I don't think you're the only one who's had that experience. No, no, right? no, that, no. That no, was they, my take on it too. Yeah, it's 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 just a, a uh, consultant you know, fatigue. Consultants, and yet informally, 
when I thought about it, I realized I'd been using consultants for years. I just wasn't paying for them. Mm. So my evenings at the bar <laughs> with all these guys that had years of experience that I didn't have, my years at the bar at, at Allegheny talking with these guys about what do you do with this? How do you account for that? Uh, my accounting firm uh, uh, was uh, the head of the, now the head of the whole thing, HBK. He was a consultant to me. Mm. Uh, I had a number of different people that were, cons Bill Williams was a consultant, WJW. I mean, he was our, oh, yeah. Yeah, but he, sure. was, I, I had a lot of, I paid them sort of in for, for doing other work, but then I would also then spend a lot of time with them. Well, what do you do with this? How do you do with that? So I had consultants. Yeah. I just didn't call them consultants. So, so I'm fascinated because I've watched, by the way, that camera's stuck on you. I don't know if that's an issue. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm watching, um, I've watched 70% of our clients are still family owned businesses. Yeah. And I've watched the transfer from generation to generation. I've watched the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And I'm not saying it was without challenge, but you have one of the the most, if if not the most, functional transitions I've ever seen. What do you attribute that to? Oh, I'll I'll give that entire credit to Elizabeth. Um, well, it's like bringing you in. She said, "I want." I'm. She did it in such a way that it was. I want to bring Ron in. I want to, I want you to get to know him. I want you to see what's going on. I'm going to do, you know, she did some trial things and stuff like that. And she didn't say, I'm going to do this. And there it is. And had my way or the highway. She said, give me your thoughts on this. What do you think? You know? And she would just slowly bring me into where, okay, it's worth it. Let's see, let's see what happens. And, and frankly, you delivered. So I'll give you credit for that. Okay. Well done. Good job. And I could see the value in what you were doing because you were not a, you were not consulting where you were taking our stuff and doing, you were, you were, I don't know how I would put it. You were like part of the team and you were getting everybody into, how do we do this? How do we do that? How do we do that? And you did, you had no, you had no golden answer and walk away. It was, it's your answer guys. Sure. sure. <laughs> and your old job was getting us to come up with stuff. And you got to be in a healthy enough place and, for and, that team and, to put those ideas and, on the table and get the tool, get the right. tools. All right, you were giving us the tools to be able to do the things that we had right. to do ourselves. So she would do a lot of that. Um, when she took over, I still had my office there, and she she didn't oh, kick me out of my office. You know, she just had an office across the hall, and she would come in every day, and she would ask me, "What do I do with this? What do I do with that?" The first year was. A lot of, okay, I've never encountered this before. What do I do? By the third year, it was, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. <laughs> I just want to, you know, I, get your blessing on this. I'll here's, let you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah. You know, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're doing it. She totally evolved that. And she did right. that over time right. to where then suddenly I was the advisor. And even to this day now, I've moved from being the advisor to, you have some really good ideas. I want to hear them. Mm -hmm. uh, give me your observations on this or that or whatever. Whether she took them or not was up to her. She made right. that very clear. Right. The, the actual decision is her decision. Right. But she still kept me vested in the business hmm. to where I felt like I was still valuable. And I didn't have to be. And I know that 
completely. I know that she could just cut me off tomorrow and I have no whatever. But for example, just, just yesterday, she said, hey, we're going to have lunch in your office. I'm bringing a bunch of people in and we're going to talk about some stuff and I'd like to hear your views. I love that. And I can't ask for anything better than that. So I, uh, she, it's the way she did that mm -hmm. was really good. So one of the most profound things I watched happen in this transition was part of our process was asking you guys to clarify your core values for the sake of your people, for the sake of what you want to attract into the organization and, and to increase accountability around how we want people to show up at AccuTech. And uh, you said, you know what? These aren't core values. These are my philosophies. And you have four of them. Would you share with us your four philosophies? Because I, these are four of my favorites out of all of my clients. Oh, you're making me blush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, wow. We're not even all drinking right. your gin. I know. So. I know. We, we can start soon. Yeah. Um, I was going to throw that reminder in. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, we don't <laughs> want to forget that. Here. Um, yeah, the four philosophies. That's interesting. It's Elizabeth that actually pulled those out of me and to make them more of a a code like this this is what we are she she made it more that's who we are it's who right? we are yeah. i had them they're always there and she said why don't you write these things down and and let's let's develop what they are and everything else so it, it was a lot of push from her that did that uh although you had some already and uh, so basically the first one and the most important one and it's it's it it's a philosophy that not just apply to AccuTech, it applies to every, I tell everybody in every training class, every introduction class, this first philosophy applies to your life. Mm. And it's very simply, always be lucky. So tell us what that All is. All right. Always be lucky is basically, you, there are three parts of luck. You're lucky because you prepared to be lucky. You're lucky because then you identified opportunity and you're lucky then because you acted on that opportunity. They're the three things. Hmm. And preparing to be lucky is you put yourself in a position where you now have the training, you have the equipment, you have the people, you have the process. And the same thing in your life. You've, you've, you've done all the work. You've done all the, all, you've, you've done a lot of hard work to get to a point where you really know what you're doing so that when an opportunity shows up in front of you, you can act. Yeah. You position yourself you, by doing the right yeah, things. Right. And and part of it was because years ago, uh, at an NTMA meeting, local one, one of the tool shop owners, uh, this was back when, oh, man, they were all hurting bad because China was going in and taking all the mold business and doing mm -hmm. this or that. And, and they were all complaining, and they were all, you know, it was a giant bitch session. And I'd go into the meetings and go, Oh yeah, I get you, but I'm hiring right now. If anybody has anybody they want to like, oh, uh, we're hiring and we're growing. And they just look at me like, how's he doing this? Oh, you got into that. How did you get into that business? Mm. Uh, you know, and they would just, and he would had about a whole bunch of crown royals and he just slapped me on the back and he said, Rob, you are one lucky son of a bitch. Everything you do turns out to work. How does, you just are lucky. You're always at the right place at the right time. And I really gave it some thought. And I said, you're right. I am incredibly lucky. There have been things that happened that just worked out to be lucky. 
I mean, the fact that I, I, I hitched my wagon to Lord Corporation very early on, and within two years, they decided to outsource a whole lot of business. And then I went after it with everything we had. And I, I joke about the my Lord story was, um, I went up to this meeting after we were about two years ahead of the company, about 96. And, and I went up to a meeting and they brought in all these tool companies, it was all, all these machining companies from all over the world. And they were in this, in this room and they, everybody introduced themselves and they were all 20 times larger than we were. I was amazed we were invited. And then as they went around the room, they were all from all over the world, all over the United States. And I said, oh, we're just the architect. We're just a little tiny company, you know, 25 miles down the road. And I realized we're the only ones hmm. 25 miles down the road. Everybody else was a long way away. And that's why we were asked to be there. And they announced, oh, we're going to be outsourcing all this business. And so we want to let you all know, and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. So we aggressively went after a few parts. We got, we got some more business from them. And then uh, I made it a point to actually drive the delivery truck up to Lord, and I would go to the dock and I would deliver the parts and I got to know all the people on the dock. But more than, more importantly, all of their incoming inspectors were there. So I got to meet all the incoming inspectors. We got to know them really well. And occasionally they'd say, we got an issue. So I would just, you know, as before cell phones, I would, I could, right from there, I could call the buyer. He could, he would come down to the dock because they were right there. And buyer and I would talk about this or that. And he'd hand me a print. I'd take it back. And, you know, there'd be times when I would go up there and there would be a batch of parts with all with red tags on them. And I'd go, oh, Ed, what's, what's, a, what's a red, red tag? Ta red tag means the part is not conforming. Got it. It's not good. They can't take the part in. It means they can't use that, that inventory. It's red tags are bad. They, you yeah. don't want red tags on parts because they can't use them. And they might need that part for an assembly. And all of a sudden now they can't, now they can't make the assembly because they've mm -hmm. got these parts that came in from North Carolina with red tags. And I said, well, what's, what's wrong with these? Oh, well, you know, these people still don't understand a breakage. They still don't understand. Aerospace, Lord Aerospace was very particular on a lot of things. You had to know what really, really worked for them. And, and frankly, all aerospace companies are. You, you know, let's face it, you, uh, aerospace part, close isn't good if you're 35,000 feet in the air. You right. want it to be exact. Right? Yeah. Got, it, exactly. There is no, it's 95% okay. No, uh, it's, uh, no. That's good For enough. For good reason. That's good enough. No, no, yeah. you, you can't take the car to the side of the road, the plane to the side of the road and fix the tire. You know, it's like, right. no, it's going right. down. So it has to be right. And they say, well, they, they, they still don't understand what we're trying to get to. And I'd look at the part and I go, hey, you know what? We could make that part. And they go, you guys could make that part. Oh, yeah, we could do that part. No problem at all. I said, mm -hmm. you know, so the guy goes, well, hang on, get the buyer, the buyer would come down. They go, yeah, we're looking for somebody that can make this because these guys don't. And I said, fine, let me have the print. I'll take it back. We'll get you, I'll get you a price by tomorrow. Tell me what you think. And if it's a little too high, let me know, and we'll, we'll try to get where you need to be. I mean, we, I know how to negotiate. Sure. And I go back, go to the shop, go to my guys, and I pull the print out, and I go, can we make this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they go, yeah, I think we can. I said, good, yeah. good. So what do you think it's going to take and all that? And we quoted and we got, and we, our business went from 1 million to 5 million in, wow. in a year. And, 
but that was being lucky. Sure. We took it. Nobody else could drive their truck. Right. The owner could not drive his truck, drive right. there, and talk to everybody on the, you know, we took advantage right. of that. Love that. And you wouldn't have been if you didn't prepare yourself or put yourself well, in we, position. Well, we, and we right? had the like people that. that could do that, and we yeah. bought the right equipment, and we did the right things, and we put the right systems in place and all the rest of it. But the whole big thing is, is that you get yourself in position, and the other thing is, is to recognize the opportunity. Hmm. Because there are a lot of times in our where the, uh, a customer or a potential customer will come in and go, okay, we want this, 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 and this. And it's a lot of work. And it's like, oh, God, now we have to do this. Now we have to do that. I'm not sure we can do that. It's going to take expense. We're going to have to set this up, all of that. And then you sit back and you go, boy, if we can do that, though, we're going to get X amount more business. Because, sure. because they're going to put this business to us if we can do that. So you say, oh, that's, not an op- that's not a problem. That's actually an opportunity. And then you jump on it. And we, we would always, and then we would always tell our customers, you know, uh, we will knock on your door for ten years if we have to, and we have done that. We'll knock on your door for ten years, and you open the door. I, I'm thinking old school, like like the old uh, when vacuum cleaner salesman, mm-hmm. which most these kids today don't have no idea what a clue what I'm talking about. Right. And and I would say, uh, okay, so you open that door, we're going to put our foot in it, and you're not going to be able to close it. So then you're going to say, okay, you can come in the living room. You let us in your living room, we're living there forever. Mm. We're not moving. We're ever moving. We're not moving out. Sorry, we're taking over your living room. And that's how we always viewed our customers. Imagine if you thought you were above driving the truck. Oh, yeah. The implications. Well, but it was an opportunity to really get to know the customer. Sure. And, you know, know, we quickly realized, okay— uh, the other, the other that goes to their second philosophy, by the way, I'll jump right into that. Great segue, Rob. Yeah. I thought it's like so. you're a pro. It's like he's done this before. Uh, yes. A few times. Um, and that is wake up paranoid every morning, mm. every morning, wake up paranoid. And it's not my idea. I stole it. I know you just heard about that. When I, I, I've, I'm fascinated. I never knew where this one came from until recently. But go ahead. Why don't you right. tell so us? Andy it's the Grove, first time I've heard all four of these, so I'm loving yeah, this. And Andy Grove, who basically built Intel, uh, wrote a book years and years ago called uh, Always Be Paranoid. I think that was what it was. And I think it was Only the Paranoid Survive. Oh, that was or something it. Like yeah, that. something like that. Yes. And, and it was a really good book, and I never read it. <laughs> But, <laughs> but I read the book review. This is and it was like, and I'd read the book review, and I and I and they had quotes from it, and I went, oh yeah, oh I, I just bought into it a hundred percent. I totally knew what he was talking about. Immediately resonated with me, and I said, okay, we got to we got to adopt that. I'm just going to steal it right now. I, you know, I'm just stealing it. And uh, so all credits to him. I'm stealing the entire concept, even though I never read the entire book. But he didn't need to. You know, isn't this great? Yeah, it's, it's like sorry. a visionary. I give them the book traction. They read the first three pages. They're like, "Hey, uh, yeah, we're gonna do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was this. about it. Yeah, yeah, I skimmed it. Yeah, it, there were some it's good amazing. parts in it. So, what does wake up paranoid mean for you? Guys? It means every day you have to get better at what you're doing. Every day, somebody else is. Every, I, I call it. Somebody wants to steal your lunch money. Mm. Every day, someone's going to try to figure out how to take your business from you. You have a business with XYZ customer and you're doing this or that or whatever, and you think you're the best there is. Somebody out there is trying to figure out how to do it better. 
They're trying to figure out a better process. They're trying to figure out a better way to sell it. They're trying to figure out a way to deliver it. You name it. They're trying to be better than you because they want your business. And the minute you sit back and you say, hey, you know what? Let's go golfing. We got it made. We don't have to do a thing anymore. We're going to buy boats. We're going to sit and relax. We're set. We're set forever. We don't ever need to buy new equipment. We don't need to do anything. We're fine. The minute you do that, you're losing. Somebody's already gaining on you. Mm. While you're doing that, they're, they're hungrier. They want to go get it. They're going to try to figure out a way to do it from you. So every day, you can still go golfing on occasion, but every day you got to figure out a way to do things better. Got to, no matter what it is, you got to figure out a way to handle your employees better, figure out a way to do your shipping better, figure out a way to buy better, figure out a way to talk to your customer better. There are 9 million things that you can do that are better, and you always got to think about it. And then the other part of it is, is you've got to think about technology. Okay, I always, I always tell the story of, imagine it's 1904, and you own the buggy whip market. You have a, you have a factory, you make 80% of the buggy whips in the United States. You own it. You've got the best process, the best everything. And by 1915, you're bankrupt. Hmm. Why? Technology changed. There are no buggies. Buggy whips don't work on cars. You didn't, you didn't change your factory over to starting to make things for cars. You just kept on buggy whipping. Mm. And so you've always got to think about technology. Where's the technology going? Where are the process going? That's why, that's why Acutech spends a lot of time on 3D printing. Where is it? What's going to happen with it? How's it going to be? Technology-wise, what is changing and how do we adapt and how do mm. we you know, do what we need to do? Um, because you could be the best at what you do, and if the technology changes enough, all of a sudden you're gone. Yep. And the world is littered with companies like that. That sure. just, you know. So always be lucky. Yep. Wake up paranoid, paranoid. every morning. Yep. Give us number three. Well, number three is, um, I guess I'll let's see what I will use the old one first. Okay. There will be change. Get used to it. <laughs> now. That was my original philosophy. There will be change. Get used to it. And that's pretty obvious. And, and Elizabeth has made that a little, what's the word, optimistic, user-friendly, better for the under 30s. Well, she was doing uh, the PowerPoint. She put some polish on it. She put some polish yeah. on it. Exactly. Yeah. She, and, and I, at first, I was really upset about it. And then after a while, I realized, no, she's actually, it works out better. It's embrace change. Love it. We embrace change, which is much more proactive than mine. Mine was just... Telling the guys, hey, I know you're working on this machine and you're doing here and you're over here. Tomorrow you may be over here. Yep. Don't fight it. It's okay. Why is this so critical for your business? Uh, our you business are? is a very conservative business. Um, you're making aerospace parts. By nature, you have to be conservative in the sense that you can't just change and have the plane crash. Any change you make has to be carefully thought out carefully worked out, carefully tested, carefully everything. You make parts for a 737, you may have making the same part for 30 years. It's not like the automotive industry, you got a new model. You, that's it. And they're not going to change it because, oh, yeah, oh, that's, you're going to use that material instead of this material? That's great. And then the plane crashes. Mm. That's not great. Mm -hmm. So the business is, by nature, conservative. Uh but you have to also be aware that there is going to be change. You has to be a better way to do things all the time. And 
even though the business is conservative, in other ways, it can be very, very cutting edge. Hmm. They are always looking for better ways to do things. And they take a little more time to get there, but you've got to be prepared to change with that. And they're always looking at, we're in a supply chain where they're always going to change as to who they're going to have supply, how they're going to have supply. Are they going to want an assembly now instead of just parts? Or how are they going to want it done? Who's going to do the special spray on it? Well, we're going to change the spray. And then, oh, well, we can't use chrome anymore because it's no longer good for the environment. Okay, what are we going to do in place of it? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? There is change every day. Hmm. And, and as a company, we even have more change because okay, we need to improve our bottom line and the way we're doing it right now is not working. So what's a better way to reorganize ourselves so that we can improve the bottom line? So we're constantly doing that too. And just be prepared for change and embrace it when it comes up. Love this. And you, you've got to do it, uh, which leads to philosophy number four. Here we go. Let's yeah, hear it. Own segue. All right. Life is unfair. Learn it while you're young. <laughs> now... That is no longer acceptable, <laughs> but it was one that I, I was the last one I added and it was actually one that uh, my wife would tell our girls when they were growing up, mm. they would come home from school and something would happen and they would say, this is just, this is unfair. Oh, this, you know, you hear that as a kid. It's not fair. It's not fair. So-and-so is not being fair. And their mother would just look at them and just say, life is unfair, kid. Learn it while you're young. <laughs> she meant it. It's like, and, and basically it was, we need to, as Elizabeth turned it into, we turn adversity into opportunity. I, yeah. like, I like that polish. Which is a, it's a I really much better, it, yeah. much better polish. Right. I, I See, this is the part, this is why it was so easy to transition the company because ultimately she was much better at polishing than I was. <laughs> and, and, uh, I was kind of old school. Um, but it's the same thing, and it, it's basically you're going to get a lot of crap thrown at you. It's what you do with it is, is what makes you successful. Can you turn that into a lucky situation? Oh, now we want to have – they want us to do this, 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 and this. Well, I, I, there, was a, um, there was a quality technique, and I, I am not up to speed on the latest ones, that we started doing – about five years ago because a couple of our customers asked us, told us we had to do it and it was required and blah, 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 and we had to do it. And uh, we yelled and screamed and whatever, but we finally decided doing it and found out that it actually was pretty good the way it worked out, this system. So we just started doing it for all of our customers, for all of our parts, we did this system. Well, our biggest customer came to us that they had never used this system. And they said, okay, we've got bad news for you. We're going to ask you to go to this quality system thing then and uh, we're getting a lot of pushback and you're our biggest customer our biggest supplier and we don't want too much pushback and elizabeth just said oh we already do it for you i've been doing it for you for three years <laughs> <laughs> and they went what and she goes yeah we just haven't sent it to you because you haven't asked this. for it but we've already been doing it we're already, already and they went oh well that was good yeah yeah that's great and, and you want more business you want more business <laughs> yeah, exactly because whoever bitches a lot Sure. We'll just take their business. Sure. There's no problem. Opportunity. Exactly. Love this. Yeah. This is why I was so excited to have this guy on. So <laughs> we normally talk about storms and stuff, but you've, you've listed out like five or 10. We always talk about as leaders, we charge into 
the storm, like that's yeah. synonymous with yep. courageous leadership and such yep. a centerpiece to strong culture and from firing clients or moving on from clients that don't fit your values to getting the guy out of your business to embracing change. It's like, I think all of those are storms where you're like, eh, I could take this more comfortable path, but instead well, I'm going to run towards Elizabeth it. Elizabeth is doing it right now and, and it's, it's big. And, and I remember Ron, we talked to us in one of the, and this is where a lot of these things come out in these AOS meetings because they, they, it gives us an opportunity to get away and bring them up. Really work and really go on it. Work on it. Instead and, of in it. And yeah. one of the big ones is, okay, we need to automate. We need to automate. We need to get out of what we're doing. We need to get it to where, we, uh, however you want to call automation, but basically it's unattended production or one person running six machines or whatever. So you, we've got to do that now. We need to do it in the worst way. And why do we need to do that? Because there aren't any employees. Mm. And there are not going to be employees. The number of kids graduating from high school is, what, 20% less than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's not a question of, gee, you know, that was one of the things is, well, these kids don't want to work. These kids don't want to work. That's a problem. These kids don't work. No, there aren't any kids. Right. <laughs> it's not a question they don't want to work. They're all working. Yeah. Uh, now a lot of them aren't working where we'd like them to work, but they're all working. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we have to figure out a way to get more out of who we have, figure out how to pay them. Well, we want to pay them more. We want to get them upgraded, let's say, in all their skills and everything else. And we've got to figure out a way to take the entire company and technologically leapfrog where we were. Mm -hmm. And you talk about going into the storm. That is a Big battle, and that is one that you know is going to be going on for years to, to get where we want to go. So, so talk to talk a little bit about the idea of the people side of this, the the need to continue to attract and retain oh. great talent. And so, what sets AccuTech apart from either uh, in your region or in your industry? Well, number one is um, we want to be the most respected supplier. What that does is it tells the employees that, you know, we're, you know, you want to work for a first-class company that's going to treat you first-class, has an ESOP, that has, has systems in place where you're going to be doing stuff cutting edge other people are not doing. That's one of the reasons we can attract people. So you um, just brushed over something pretty significant. Say. You guys just... Spun up an ESOP. Yeah, Elizabeth did that. Tell us what that is. Uh, employee stock ownership plan. And uh, so why 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 go that route? We've always wanted to make sure that our employees felt like they had skin in the game. Mm. So we would do a lot of year end bonus things, things like that. Um, and that wasn't really cutting it as much as we thought. It was not having the impact that we wanted to have. And uh, Elizabeth, we did a lot of work, research into ESOPs and how they work. And basically now it's giving the employees ownership in the company. Mm. And it's something that it's going to take probably three or four years more for them to really recognize what that value is. Sure. Because this is a long-term thing. Right. Um, but as they do, it gets them to understand that, all right, we're making a decision or we're doing something on the shop floor that ultimately is going to make them richer. That's the idea. Yeah. And that that it's the big it's the big picture 
that we want them to take. The whole idea of an ESOP is, is that you're, you're not just working in your area and you're trying to make your little area better, but there are times in companies where as your company gets larger, you can make your area better to the detriment of other areas. You're not all working in the same direction because that's not how you're getting, being paid. Mm. Whereas an ESOP is, as the company does well, we all do well. There is no, oh, well, you're in this department, you're in that department, and my department's doing really well, and I'm going to get paid more than you will. Uh-uh. As the company does well, everybody does well. And it keeps everybody then looking at the bigger picture as they do their jobs. At least that's the idea. It, it's going to love it. It's not something that is an overnight thing. This is something that is, you know, it's like I, I, I had a 20-year plan for Elizabeth to run a company. Well, I think she's got a 20-year plan for how the employees are vested in the company. Oh, Good way of putting it. That's got to be exciting for them. Yeah, it is. I, it, but once it, they understand. Once they understand. Under, it's going to take time yeah. for them to sure. understand it. And and you're really going to start seeing the impact maybe in four or five years where they're yeah. starting to go, hey, yeah, this, is a, this is a really cool thing. So what are you, what are you most proud of in regards to AccuTech? It has a foothold in the aerospace industry. It is well-respected. Uh, it's probably one of the largest privately held uh, aerospace machine, parts machining company in the United States. Uh, it's, 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 it's got a reputation that's good. And, you know, it, it didn't exist 30 years ago. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. I mean, that doesn't I mean, suck. Yeah, <laughs> right? no. And, and, and it's the largest or next to the largest manufacturing employer in Crawford County, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, wow. it's got a big position in the, in the jobs, in the community. Yeah. It's very, very uh, important to the community now. Yeah. So you've had, you've kind of handed the reins off to Elizabeth here and you're on to Rob 2.0. Yeah. Right. So, so what's Rob doing these well, days? Well, what happened was uh, Elizabeth finally kicked me out of my office. <laughs> I have a nice, as you know, it was I had a nice office. Very nice office. Yeah, and and I read it was time for me to go because I was not in the day to day, and it, it's time. And she needed space for other people, so I got kicked out. Well, at the same time, my wife said, "You're not going to be at home." <laughs> I said, "No way, baby. Are you going? Am I going to see you around? You're going somewhere." Well, I had started buying some older buildings in downtown Meadville. To kind of, I mean, Meadville gave us a lot. We built Meadville. It's time to start investing back in the community. Mm. Earned the money there, invested there. Mm. And uh, we'd gotten the coffee shop going. We'd gotten a building. Uh, I'd already, that was my first one. We'd renovated uh, an old uh, turn of the century building into the coffee, French Creek Coffee. It was doing really well. Um, and there was another old building just down the street that, uh, was for sale. And I realized that the upper floor would make a really cool office and renovate the down floor. So I bought this, this building and we renovated that and we have a computer store in one half of it and then a yoga studio in the other half. And the, the yoga studio is really cool. It's got these you know, beautiful tin ceilings and you know, we restored all the tin ceilings. Any building we buy that has tin ceilings, we restore them. Hmm. And, um, 
But the upstairs had been a loan shark's office for years. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> and and you go up these stairs and it was just, it'd been, hadn't been used for 50 years. Yeah. And so I, and it literally had burnt charred, charred parts of the roof that we had. We, we rebuilt the whole thing yeah. and I made it my office. Now, mind you, it's a, not a bad office. It's got a. Yeah, it's great. It's got a. Seen it. Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. Dining room, living room. Yeah. Kitchen, cigar lounge. Man deck. Little man. A uh, man cave. Man cave. Right. Yeah, it's definitely stellar, and, and it's it's nice. It's it's it's. Uh, I, so I have a place to go every day. Okay. So I started working on that, and then uh, another thing came up, and uh, then I took another building, renovated that, and we now have a uh, French Creek Framing and Fine Arts. Uh, and that worked out really, that's worked out really well. Two, two guys run that and they're doing a great job and the yoga studio is doing well. And then meanwhile, uh, Michael Reed, who runs a coffee shop, he and his wife, and one day he and I were talking about, you know, be really cool to distill something or I was talking about it. And he just looked at me like, you want to start distilling? And I said, yeah. And he went, I know a little bit about that. I went, really? He said, yeah. You know, next thing I know, there's a still in the back of the coffee shop, and we have a license, we have this, we have that. It turns out that, uh, I hope he doesn't get in trouble, he's been distilling since he was 17 <laughs> and out in the woods in Crawford County. And his grandfather- Learned the real way. His grandfather was a distiller out in the woods in Crawford County, and he had all these old recipes and things like that. Makes a fantastic gin. Really good Yes, gin. I've had it. Yeah, in fact, let's- had, Yes. Let's yes. show this off here. Yeah, the Riffle Dry Gin. We now have it. We have a better label now. This was the original. This was like a temporary label. One of one. One of yeah. 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 So oh, yeah. So what's the name of the? What's the brand? So we the can... brand is Casawago Creek Distillery. Okay. And you notice we've Creek, but there's Casawago Creek, sure. which is runs by Accutech, by the way, right. and and Casawago Creek Distillery. And so then we, it got to be so successful, we decided we couldn't do it out of the back of the coffee shop anymore. So I bought another old building uh, on Water Street next to the post office that had been abandoned in the turn of the century. And we gutted that, and that turned out. To be, I think I'm really pleased with that. I was probably. My favorite in terms of how we ended up developing that whole thing. And he has three craft stills in there. And we've actually got a, a tasting room in the back now where we have our, our, our barrels. Uh, and it's doing quite well. Um, he's making some unbelievable gin, some unbelievable vodka. He does a maple rum. He does a heritage rum, which he's, you know, ages for, for six months in oak barrels. And it's just really, really good stuff. Uh, so I'm really pleased with that. So that's worked out well. And then, oh yeah, by the way, and then we just this year introduced, and, uh, you have to try oh, we're going to try this. We stuff. have to try this. What's like this? This is Rob's rye. <laughs> this is our, our rye whiskey. And we said, what kind of name do we want? And of course it's a play on the Rob, Rob Roy. Sure. And so we came up with Rob's rye. I, I don't want to overdo this because I know you have a lot of hard stuff to do yet, but here we go. So you start the day with coffee, get some yoga. Try and that. Try, try some... a taste of that. Yeah. Because we have the rest of this for the golf course. Man, that is smooth. Isn't that nice? Wow. Isn't that nice? Yeah, we'd tell you otherwise. It's not just because we're on no, camera. No, no, right no, now. no. It's, you, that's it's good. Wouldn't put my name on anything. It didn't. So are, are we... Are we distilling this out of the same uh, no, location no. as the gin? No, it's out of the same location. Okay. But what we're going to do now is is my next project. So Which I is well delicious. I had all the other buildings done. I was done, and we we now want to start distilling our rye whiskey and a wheat whiskey and some and eventually get to a bourbon, which requires more space, 
barrel storage space. Uh, we've got to get a new still for the whiskey, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there was the old, what they called the Ray Street Lumber buildings, uh, not too far from where Accutech is. Uh, it was actually off Spring Street, and it's a six-acre piece of land. Hmm. Uh, four and a half acres are usable. And, have, and interestingly enough, it's where the old Beadville distillery was. Hmm. And four of the old brick buildings are still there, built in the 1870s. Uh, it had been abandoned for 30 years. It had another set of metal buildings, which some of them are still in good shape. Some of them need to be torn down. So I bought it from the Historical Society, who had bought it at sheriff's sale. And they weren't going to do it. They didn't have the capacity to do anything with it. And I talked to them. I know them all really well. And I said, I will restore this. If you sell it to me at what you paid for it, and I'll buy it, and I'll spend a lot of money. And it's going to be a lot of money. Uh, and we will turn this into a destination place. It's right at the end of where the they're expanding the trails. They have a beautiful bike trail called the Ernst Trail, which comes into Meadville. They're going to run the trail through Meadville and back out again across an old abandoned railway bridge, and it's going to actually run out to where Accutech is. And it's going to be a beautiful bike trail and over the over French Creek and Cusawaga Creek and the whole thing, and really, really slick. And believe it or not, it's right at one of the ends of it or right along there. Yeah. And it actually still has the old rail line in the middle of the property that extends to where the rail, abandoned rail line was. And the rails are still there. And it's it's basically built like a square. You have a beautiful old brick building in the middle, brick building on the left, brick building on the right, in the right brick building over here, and then a nice metal building you know, around. So it's basically a nice square around it. Nice. And it's got room for parking along the sides. It's got p room for pavilions, it's got room for you name it. And so the objective is, is to take the square portion and that's going to be pedestrian and we'll paving, paving bricks and the whole thing around it. Uh, one building would have uh, large bathrooms for the whole area. The area would have room for the Meville community theater and the French Creek community theater. Both are going to take over one of the brick buildings and they're going to use that as a theater and they've got a big metal building, which we're redoing, which will then house their practice area and where they can make their sets and where they can do, you know, because theaters, you, you have a space, then you need a whole lot of space for all the stuff you're going to put in the theater. Sure. And so have that. And then one of the brick buildings, uh, we're just totally gutting and, and the inside, and it's going to be beautiful, nice ceilings. Uh, you, you saw the ceilings are at the distillery. Mm -hmm. We'll have the ceilings somewhat like that. Um, and that would be hopefully we have an artist co-op interested in renting that and making that a artist using space and then retail along there. Then another brick, big brick building, which is a big high brick thing in the back. We're going to put the distillery, our second distillery into there. And that's, where we're going to do all of our Brown whiskeys and things wow. like that. And got a whole, we got a whole plan. And then one, you're like one, the Medici family of Florence, Italy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, right? I wish. Bring no, it to right? Beatville, Pennsylvania. Investing yeah. in yeah. artists, all of but, it, but the Renaissance. Is, but this is uh, one of the one of the metal buildings is right along where the trail is, and ideally we would. And it's actually it's funny. It looks like this ramshackle shack. It's falling apart, but the, the the bones are really good. All it needs is a new metal skin, and we're going to clean all that up. And ideally, that would then become like an outfitter's place. You could. Mm rent bikes there. You could get bikes repaired. You could rent kayaks. You could do all the stuff, the outdoor stuff. And maybe it would only be open, um, you know, April 1 to October 31st, sure. that type of thing. It would be a seasonal place, lay it out. Uh, but the idea is, is that 
that some of the buildings would have small bathrooms for the people working in it, but the big, let's call it the public bathrooms. If we if we do concerts, I could see concerts being done there. We've got wow. the space for it, outdoor patios, the whole thing. You would have then like a a, a whole bathroom set for the whole complex. And uh, I've been to a couple places in Europe that have that, where mm. you basically have these old buildings around, and then here's the bathrooms over here. Sure. And it works out really, really well. Um, You're really focused on the bathrooms. Well, I, I, I am. I am because we actually don't know where where the sewage lines are in this right now. So we're trying to. But it's kind of funny. You, it's amazing. You build enough of these, renovate enough of these buildings, that becomes like the focal point of where is it, where the bathrooms going to be, and how do they have yeah. to be, and you have to decode, you have to right. do this, you have. To, it becomes like. Well, you, you, know, you become have, all obsessed. You are case in point. Once a visionary, always a visionary. Well, and we're going to call inside it, or outside the organization, and we're going to call it Casawago Square. I love that. Yeah. We, nice. we were originally going to call it, it was funny, you talk about input from people. It was a couple of our good friends that we go sailing with, and we're talking about, I'm talking about my vision. And I said, I was thinking of calling, you know, it's the old distillery. I was going to call it Distillery Square. And she said, oh, you know, you're going to put a theater in there. You're going to have art in there. You're going to have a lot of other stuff. She said, how about Casawago Square? Because mm. it's right on the Casawago Creek. And I went, oh, yeah, that's much better. Yeah. It's a much more all-encompassing so it sounds like the females around you help you name yes. all these ventures. Oh yes. Well, they're all really good at. Um, oh, what did you call it? The Elizabeth does with my things. Oh, polish. Polish. They're yeah. really Polishing good the at the right words. I need polish on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a re- polish. Polish is. I have a vision, and somebody else polishes it. Well, I don't know if that that rye needs to be polished. It's delicious. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Uh-huh. Good. I'm a fan. I, I can't wait to get out and see it. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you can, it's I, there. It's there for sale. Got Michael's developed. He's drawn, it's got some really cool labels that he's designed yeah. and put on there too. Or we're, we're definitely going to have to do a part two of this thing. This and has been and four. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel right. like you've probably got some more that you can share with us. But you you covered so much. I also uh, want to hear Elizabeth's awesome. side of this story. Um, right? It so. may be very different. Than <laughs> <laughs> she may say, "I had to put up with the old man for freaking years." Oh yeah. God, he got into right. everything. I, you know. Yeah. Right. She could. Yeah. <laughs> All joking aside, you're you're truly an inspiration. Really enjoyed our relationship. It's been amazing. So. Well. Well, thank you. So you better play well today. That's oh God, that's that's. We I'm, have a golf I'm, tournament. I'm going to let so. you down uh, a lot today. Right. <laughs> Lower expectations. One, well, one thing that has suffered with all of my vision is my golf game. <laughs> okay, good. We're just going to have fun today. We're going to drink more. Ron's really oh, been yeah. working on his. So yeah. uh, this has okay. been a good year good. for him. Good. good. Oh, Rob, thank you. You're, you're the man. Oh. This is awesome. I love getting to hear your all story right, and learn more about you and just. Have this I conversation. Hope you have a, I hope you have a really good editor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got a pretty good team. Uh, All right. You're yes. looking at most of them, but no, we 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 have some ways to do it. I love the authenticity, though, right? Of just telling your great. story. It's it's you. And while yes, you you've got some some incredible people around you to help polish, e- even the just like raw form of. Uh, your, your four philosophies and things like that, that's going to resonate with people, man. So, yeah. Well, it all goes back to, and it is, is my entire life has been this way. I have been incredibly blessed and lucky. Mm. I mean, luck is everything. I mean, I think of the times when I took over the company, one wrong step, it would have been gone. Mm. I think of the number of times, different times, one wrong step, one way or another, it would have been gone. Uh, the times I would come home from work 
and say to Nancy, just put a pillow over my head. <laughs> just, just, just end it now. I mean, and, and something would happen that would allow things to keep going. Yeah. I mean, and then that's always my whole life. It's been that way. Uh, so it's it's all about I've just been incredibly lucky and blessed. To close the, this out, I want to ask you one or two more quick things. Any robisms or catchphrases that you find yourself using often with your teams? All right, one big one that I'm no longer allowed to use um, because it shows my age, and that was when I would describe parts, and people would say, "Okay, well." What kind of envelope are we looking at for the type of parts you say? And I'd say, well, pretty much we don't build anything bigger than a bread box. <laughs> and I started doing, I did that a few years back and they all looked at me like, what's a bread box? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so I've got a couple of those. It's just like, God, are you showing your age? <laughs> yes. Yes. We so, still got a bread box at home. So I, yeah, I know, okay. I all right. Well, good. Yeah. About. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a hand me down though. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, essentially this whole conversation <laughs> yeah. where like yeah. with my father-in-law, we were yeah. talking about it this past holiday. Like, can we still get one of these things to, you know, right. keep our bread fresh? Well, a Elizabeth, longer? Elizabeth, Elizabeth upgraded it now. It's, it's, she'll say a microwave. Well, okay. there you go. Yeah. There all we right. go. Yeah. Last thing being for any of the emerging leaders or folks that are, let's say like early career, uh, maybe not yet at a director level, first time managers think that there's, this was chock full of some wisdom and things that they can action, but any kind of closing words or, or words of advice, words of wisdom that you just want to share for somebody who's at that stage in their career? Um, work your ass off. Okay. Don't be afraid to work past five. <laughs> don't be afraid that when someone needs you on a weekend, figure out how to do it. You can bitch and moan about it, but do it. Um, do that. Take that extra step. And the other one is don't wait for somebody to tell you to do something. You see it needs to be done. Do it. It, it. All of a sudden, people around you go, hey, this person's taking initiative. They're, they're doing what needed to be done. Now, there are on occasions where you're going to make a mistake. That's okay. You're allowed to make a mistake. And you will make mistakes. If you don't make, what is the famous phrase? If you don't make mistakes, you weren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And there's something along that line. I'm paraphrasing yeah. the whole thing. I know that. Completely. Pretty big time. Yeah. Yep. Pretty big I'm time. I'm <laughs> so on the back cover of the book. But, Sorry. but yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> but but that that's okay. Um, and then uh, I did have one other one. See, this is, I'm getting old, so I'm starting to losing that. But yes, something about mistakes. And, uh, oh, promote yourself. If you want to be somewhere and you want to get into something, let everybody know it. Don't, don't hide under, you know, what is it? Don't, don't hide your whatever it is, but um, promote yourself. Hmm. I, I always, I always tell the story on my old Firestone days and I was hired for international research. That was my background. I had my master's in it. That's what I wanted to do. And they hired me in. And the first thing they did is they put me in advertising research because I'd worked for an ad company and they needed me right there right away. I made sure that in my little cubicle, everything in my cubicle was related to international research. I let them know that was my background. That was my interest. That's what I wanted to do. And I promoted the heck out of it. Within a year, I was in international research. Hmm. I mean, you've got to promote yourself. Don't, don't be shy about that. You can do it in a nice way, but promote yourself. Don't hesitate. Love that. I've got one more. What's your hope for your current and future 
AccuTech team members? I want them to really succeed. I want them to uh, build a nice, solid, uh, and I, I don't want them to be a billion-dollar company. I don't think that's really the objective. I think the objective is to be a really good, solid mid-tier that they all will gain value with and that they all enjoy doing what they're doing. They like to problem solve and they enjoy problem solving and they work as a team and they enjoy working with each other mm. and have a good quality of life because of that. Mm. Uh, it's not always going to be you know, roses. There, there are going to be times when things going to be, there's going to be a challenge, but they're going to take it in the right way that, okay, this is a challenge. Let's figure out what we have to do with it and we work as a team to do it. I think that's a big thing. I want them to feel comfortable with each other and be willing to solve problems and address things together as a team. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. With that, we'll uh, make sure to link a lot of the things that you mentioned today from some of the books to, correct me one, one more time on the pronunciation, Cusawago. Cusawago. Cusawago Creek Distillery. Cusawago Creek Distillery. In the future, Cusawago Square. Cusawago Square. We also got have French Creek, and French Creek Coffee. French Creek Coffee. And French Creek Framing. And if you're in aerospace and you're not familiar with Accutech, get hip. And I can't forget Yoga Spot Meadville. I mean, you know, you, you if go. you're into yoga, come to Meadville. They got a great yoga studio. You, it looks like quarterly, you do a lot of that. I, <laughs> well, quarterly, you're the guest instructor, right? You can pop down. And, <laughs> no, they, they, they just post pictures of me. This is what you look like if you don't do yoga. <laughs> it's like a guest bartender, yeah. right? Now we're talking. Guess, yes. Yeah, right. you, you've been a good sport. you got a great story. You're an awesome human. Thank you very well, much thank for you. coming in today. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Uh,